All right, what is up, Freedom Chasers? We have a real big hitter for you today. You're going to experience the power of diversified real estate investing with a seasoned pro who has built over 100 units. He's achieved success in build-to-rent and Airbnb markets and flipped over 700 properties in the past five to six years. But more importantly, he's going to tell us exactly how to create a vision of your life and make it happen, and he's going to do it right now. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers Six Figure Strategies Podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. Meet Nathan Brooks. He is the CEO of Bridge Turnkey Investments, a home builder in Kansas City that plans to construct 60 homes in its first year of operation. Prior to building homes, led Bridge Turnkey Investments as a top producing turnkey rental provider, adding 45 million in value to clients' portfolios. He has been investing in real estate since 2007 as an accomplished investor, speaker, writer, and coach. He recently wrote a book, The No Quitter's Guide to Investing in Real Estate, endorsed by heavy hitters like Brandon Turner, and that was not a light endorsement. Go check it out, it is incredible. And he enjoys outdoor activities and trading MMA with his family. Nathan, I am super stoked to have you here today. Um, you wanted to talk about creating a vision of your life. So let's just start there. Let's talk. Let's start with the 30,000 foot view of it. And then we'll dive deeper into creating a vision and making that happen for the audience. Yep, absolutely. And thank you again for having me on and uh, really appreciate having this conversation. So, you know, I think one of the interesting things about talking to entrepreneurs, so many people have these concepts of wanting to build a big business or make a certain amount of money, or they want to have a number of doors or, you know, whatever that might be. And I think all of those things are, are good things, right? They're not, they're not, uh, like a negative thing to think about, but the question becomes, why, right? Like, why are we spending all of that time creating all of these things, growing a business? And I think a lot of times, if we really are honest with ourselves, we haven't actually taken the time to have a, an understanding, a plan, an, a, a realization, a vision, and creation of what we actually want to do with all that time and all that money and all those things that we want to create. And so instead of actually saying, oh, I have a I have a number that once I hit this, I get to make different choices. I get to take my family on vacation now. I get to go, you know, take up hunting or fishing or golf or, you know, playing an instrument or whatever it is now, because I want to create a life that I enjoy now. And so it's been a huge passion for me to change the narrative around what it is to create a vision, what it is to actually build an extraordinary life. And to empower people not to just think about making money, which is awesome, right? It's awesome. It's a great tool. Uh, but to think bigger than that. Without question. So, I mean, one of the things that people may fail to realize if they haven't made a lot of money yet is money's never going to buy happiness. There's, it's proven statistically, like $70,000 is the number. If you make that much money, anything above that, it's not going to buy you happiness. And it's strange because... You know, most people think it's going to cure all their problems. You know, I'm going to make $10,000 a month and then everything's going to go away. All the problems are going to be solved and they focus on the wrong thing. They're focusing on money when they should be focusing on fulfillment and purpose and like what they want in life. And obviously this is tying directly into what you're talking about. So 
let's say to a listener out there, like what should they be thinking about when they're trying to create a life by design? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is, what do I want? Like, what are the things that, you know, when I'm talking to a coaching student or talking to a friend about this and we're just hanging out, it's literally like, well, what do you wake up thinking about? Like, what do you go to bed thinking about? What do you have on and on conversations with your friends over a bourbon and a whiskey or a glass of wine or a, your favorite tea I'm drinking, you know, whatever. It doesn't have to be alcoholic. Uh, but what is it? Like, what are you talking about? Because I think the other thing is we can see there's, you know, in real estate or any other business, there's so many things, so many niches, so many, you know, squirrels we can chase. And we get stuck in the thought of like, oh, I need to go, you know, follow this thing, or I need to go follow this thing. It's like, no, you don't. Hold on a second. Look at one thing that you keep obsessing about over and over and over and over and dig into it and, and go a little bit deeper. And so we can utilize that thing, that tool that we're already thinking about and help it, you know, create what it is that we want to create in the in, in our life. And I won't say, you know, 70 grand, hundred grand, 10, you know, 10,000 bucks a month or whatever, like these numbers change over time. And, uh, I just did a, a book launch recently. And one of the guys speaking, Ron Phillips, a great friend of mine. And he had this line that really, I don't know, haunted me, but stuck with me. Right. And it was like, what now? What now? I made a hundred grand. What now? 200 grand. What now? F you know, 300 grand, half a million, a million, whatever. And we never stopped to say, you know what, at 300 or 200 or 100 or whatever, I could actually do all these things that I was already thinking about. I love that. Um, so much actually, because I mean, it, it hits me directly because I feel like I spent most of my career chasing money up until recently. And then, you know, everything changed when I shifted my perspective and I, you know, instead of making money, like, let's see how many people we can help. Let's see how much value we could push into the world. And let's yes. totally forget about money 100%. Like, what would you do for free? Like, is there something that you would do for free forever? And for me, it's helping people. Um, what I would love to get into is like, is there any strategies that you have with your coaching clients in order to help them define what is the right strategy for them or, yeah, or what I'm, is their why rather would be a better yeah well, well there's two those are two you know hugely important ones right so when we first think about the why we think about you know a greater purpose and i think a lot of times you know people have this default answer which is you know my family or you know my kids or whatever that might be and i, and I think we have to challenge ourselves a little bit more with that and like, oh, I'm working so I'm working a hundred hours a week because my family, no, you're not like, no, you're not. You're doing that because you think you've put your ego is in this, in the front and center of that problem and not the problem itself. Right. Because your kids, uh, all they care about is hanging out with you. They, my son wants to play Nerf guns and video games. And my, my daughter wants to, you know, go on daddy daughter dates and eat sushi. Like it's not complicated. So we come back to it and we say, okay, well, in the vision of my life, what does that look like? And so I'll use, you know, myself for an example. I've fallen in love with hunting. I want to spend 30, 40, 50 days a year hunting, being in the woods, not because I'm, you know, just obsessed about 
you know, finding animals or hunting, but I love being in this space. Like I love being in nature. It feeds me. It helps me, you know, center myself for all the other things I'm doing. So early on, I said, well, how can I make money? Not the problem, the time, not the problem, you know, and, and the support of my family to do those things. Right. So then I, I go through all those things. Well, can my wife, you know, can, can she help make sure that they're home? Yes. The kids are good. Can we afford to do that? Well, I I'll make sure I have a budget and I follow that budget. Uh, can I have time? Well, I own my own business. So, uh, as long as I am supported in the way that I'm working and what I've created, I'm good. Right. So that's just one example. And we can do that. And I, I like to challenge my, my coaching students to say, I want, I want family as a category and it, whether you're married or you have kids or whatever, it might be nuclear family. It might be other family. It might be just close friends, right? That however you define that fine. So family personal. So how am I challenging myself? Am I getting to the gym? Um, you know, let's build in all those things and literally pull out, you know, first on a piece of paper and then write it in the calendar. Like what are those things that I really want to spend my time doing personal and then business and as we start to calendar those things, we can come back to that vision, that why and say, okay, I don't want to work a hundred hours a week. Okay. Well, let's look. I even noticed today, Tim, Google now shows you on the sidebar in the calendar, how many hours of meetings you have. Wow. Really? I don't even want to look at that. Well, I'll tell you next week had seven. I am seven. And that, that was more than this week, which was 4.5. And I have just gone after that time, right? Creating that time. So again, we say, well, I don't have time. Well, build it in, right? Build it in. If you're working a nine to five job, build in an hour, get up an hour early. You know, don't sit in front of your TV for three hours or four hours or five hours, build it in. Right? So we all come back to how bad do we want it? How clear is that vision that we've created? that we are so fired up that we go to bed thinking about it. We wake up thinking about it and we go for those three areas, personal family and business. And how would you recommend somebody create a vision? Create a vision. So I think when we start to think about an actual vision, it's really important to not just think about the things that are for ourselves, but how we impact in the world. And uh, there's a beautiful book called go giver. I can't remember the author's name at the moment, but uh, I love that book because it created a, a character, painted a picture of a guy who was like the most successful guy. You know, it'd be like the Elon Musk or the, you know, Bezos of the world. And he he himself gave of his time to help another person find his own path. And when we start to think about vision, I think there's a couple components. First, we, we have to actually, it's beyond ourselves, right? It's not just about me. So, you know, for me, I think about both time with my family. I think about a generational wealth that I, I actually get to help my family live, not because I want them to be filthy rich and not have to do anything. I want to give them a platform that they actually can come to whatever they're interested in, go to college, build a business, whatever, right? <clears throat> and then for me, I want to help serve other people especially kids, students through education and arts. So those things were, were impacts that I had in my life. And if you're thinking like, I don't know, I don't know what those impacts are. Think back through like what made an impact for me, 
what makes an imp you know, as a kid, as a high schooler, uh, if you were in college and trade school, uh, whatever you might have done, or what are the things I really wish I could change, right? Like, what, what do I wish I could make an impact on and all of a sudden go from like, I can't make an impact to I will make an impact by X, Y, Z. And so, uh, and the other thing for me, like we love to travel. We wanted to have experiences as a family and that vision included you know, us homeschooling, which we were able to do, get my wife home from, you know, working and which frees up time. We can literally do school anywhere in the world. We can go anywhere in the world. And so if we start to think about those things that we like put it on the list, like I can't imagine ever being able to accomplish this, put it on the list. You know, those are the things that, that make us so fired up and so, and, 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 um, so excited that we can't contain ourselves. And then you can start build that vision. I think people make it too complicated. Like it doesn't have to be complicated. You can start to write it down. And the other thing for me was I continued to write these things down, take notes, think about it. And I have a, I have a process even every time I fly on an airplane. And if you don't fly on an airplane very often, then say every Saturday, like pull out your notes. Every Saturday, pull out your notes. And it says, you know, I can go back years and years and years of what I was thinking about. And what was I was on fire about or what was causing me trouble. And I can go back through those notes and think about it. And so if you don't have that, no problem. Start it right now. You, you don't have to have it perfect today. Now, everything's a work in progress, right? Um, I would love to hear your perspective on what do you think most people are getting wrong when they're trying to create a vision for their life and, and when they're trying to build a lifestyle, even if they're trying to build it by design? Like, what do you think the biggest mistakes out there are? Well, I think, I think one of the, the, the primary killers is the, if only I could, you know, if only I could actually blank, blank, blank. And then we tell ourselves a story. And this is something that I've been learning over the last couple of years too. Like we, each of us have these traumas that show up from, for ourselves as from when we're kids and these things are, are negative thought patterns. And when all of a sudden you find yourself in a loop, like, oh, Nathan, you're not good enough, or you can't figure that out, or you suck, or, you know, whatever dumb comment you're telling yourself, you know, we self-sabotage ourselves, and then we allow other things, other stories, and then other people to impact our ability to, to or we think that, we give them the power to uh, get in our way of creating what we want. And instead, we get to start with, I am fully capable of creating whatever it is I want. Obviously, if you're, you know, five foot two, you're probably not playing in the NBA. That's fine, right? We're not talking about these things like playing, getting on, you know, Michael Jordan's, you know, second best in, the, in whatever. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about whatever you actually want to create, whatever business you want to build. Um, so we tell ourselves all these stories and get in our own way. And we literally say... Oh, you know, I don't have time, Tim. Uh, I'm not, you know, I, I have to work late, you know, and I think we have all of these things that we give ourselves the outs and excuses, or we don't. And when we start with, guess what? This goal, this end result has to be more important than your excuse. And you'll know real quick because either it's not good enough or you haven't made the level of commitment yet to actually see it through. What if somebody listening right now was having difficulty finding something that gave them the passion and drive that you're talking about in order to go chase after it with that ferocity? 
That's a great question. So, you know, first of all, I like to use something as a state change. Um, I use whether it's Jocko Willink's podcast or books or David Goggins podcast or books, like somebody that really immediately puts me into a different state. And so I think if somebody's having trouble, you can start with something literally, which is a state change. Like, are you in a negative space or are you just having a hard time figuring out what you want? And then second, I think it's important too, we can look at like a book, um, Atomic Habits, James Clear, and say, okay, well, if I haven't found that thing yet, I'm going to actually sit down and in my morning routine, I'm going to get up, I'm going to make my coffee or my tea, I'm going to, you know, drink my, you know, 30 ounces of water, do my 100 push-ups, whatever, get in the shower, and then I'm going to journal for five or 10 minutes every single day on this question. What do I love? What am I passionate about? Where can I make an impact? What's most important to me? Uh, and on and on and on. There's all kinds of prompts out there. And you could start to just think about that because I think sometimes we're not conscious about this. We're literally going through our life. Let's like, Tim, have you ever walked into a restaurant and you see two people or three people or four people or 10 people sitting at a, at a table and they're all on their phone? Yep, it's absolutely. Like, you and I are like, like, we're on a podcast, but I'm like looking down here, you know, hammering my Facebook feed or whatever, you know, we get to actually bring ourselves present and think about all that time. Like for instance, I'm in, I'm in, uh, you know, in the mountains hunting by myself or with a couple of people, but you have to be quiet, right? There's built in time to think. And I don't think most people are building in time to actually think, first of all, about what they might even want. So work on it, like write it down, write down things that, um, or what you don't want too. I mean, sometimes you kind of need the don't want list. I do not want to spend my time doing this. I do not want to have this kind of job. I do not want, you know, and that's not negative. There's a difference between whining you know, I have always said, don't complain, explain. Like we're not complaining here. We're explaining what we do not want. And then you can start to come after it. And here's the other thing too. You can try those on like a baseball, you know, backwards Adidas cap. Try it on. See if it fits. I like getting up at 5 a.m. I like doing my workout in the morning. I have a vision for my life that I'm fit and I have a chef you know, they sh show up at my house. I have a vision that I don't hate my job, right? That you can try on whatever it is that you're thinking about. And then you get to try it on and see if it fits. And if it doesn't, it's okay, right? We, we get to come back from that thing and say, all right, well, hey, you know, I wrote it down on my, you know, notepad over here and uh, it didn't work. No problem. Do it again. Absolutely. I think you hit a really great point there. Um, in defining on what you don't want, and, and I'm going to kind of piggyback on that. And sometimes you want to define like what you don't want to do and, and more importantly, what you won't do. Like, for example, like for me, I'm never going to cold call people consistently. I just, I hate it too much. It's never going to work for me. And I think if you fail to recognize what you're simply not going to do, like there's some things that people are just not going to be able to force themselves to do. And if you fail to recognize that and you keep trying, you're, you're going to, basically be setting yourself up for failure. So to divert that question a little bit, um, or that statement rather, it's like what would you recommend somebody do when they're trying to find a strategy that fits what their personality is? 
That's a great question. So if you're somebody who, you know, and this actually was a challenge for me too. So early on, I thought I wanted to have a big, big business. And what I realized is we grew, we grew, we grew, we got bigger, we doubled, we doubled, you know, it's like that wrote, let's double 10 X, you know, Grant Cardone. And I kind of talk negatively about him. I really don't like that. It, It really bugs me. And, uh, you know, I have personal friends who have met him and they said he's awesome and I'm sure he is. Um, but I think it's that strategy, like rote strategy sucks because it's, it's, it's not a good plan. And so I think when people are thinking about it, it's like, what do, do I like to, to be around people? Right. So I have a friend of mine who's, you know, in his mid thirties, he's, he, uh, he likes to hang out like one-on-one in his man cave and smoking cigars and drinking bourbon and having people over. And over a period of time, he bought, you know, 170 single family doors and he retired himself. And he's like, peace out. I'm done. I don't need to do anything else. Uh, He didn't need to build a big business. He didn't need to have a single employee. He has a property manager. And occasionally if he sees a great deal, you know, he'll, he'll buy it, but he's never looking for deals. Right. I have other buddies who've built literally companies with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of employees and do tens of thousands of transactions. That's an enormous business. So you can think about like, what do I want that day-to-day look like? And what responsibilities do I want to hold? Do I want to sit in the CEO seat? I think a lot of times people think like I started the company, I need to sit in that seat. No, you don't. Like you don't have to sit in that seat, but you need to be clear on what the outcomes are or have people with you who help create what those outcomes are so that everyone in the organization, big or small, understands what your target is. You know, like you said, you hate cold calling, probably not going to do a lot of wholesaling, uh, at least on the cold calling side. Right. Uh, I also did not like that side of the business. I did, you know, 700 plus rehabs. We never had an inside sales department. We had an acquisitions department and I was great at building relationships and we bought all our stuff, you know, off market from wholesalers. Well, most of it and MLS, right? Uh, so we can start to define those things where it's like, I, I want to spend like, or I love working and you better think about that really long and hard why you really love it that much. I, I want to work all the time. Okay, fine. What does that look like? Or I want to work this amount of time, or I want to spend, I want to be able to be, um, you know, in another part of the world half the time of the year you probably should not be responsible on the ground if you want to travel a lot, right? So we need to marry these things where we get to start saying, okay, I'm going to work this amount of time. I want to have this financial result. And, uh, and then you can start to, to dig into that question, which you were talking about earlier, which is I'm excited. I wake up in the morning and think about X. Great. So like, for instance, I've been really fired up about Airbnb lately. I've been buying a bunch of Airbnb houses uh, and by the way, I also make a lot more with each of those units. So, you know, per capita, I, I can, you know, every Airbnb unit I had is, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 single family as far as cash flow. So great. I get to spend the same amount of money as I was buying, you know, maybe two houses, but I have one box that spits out, you know, 10 or 20 times the cash. Awesome. So every one of those things you can start coming through and say, all right, this is what the time I want to spend. Do I want to be around people? Do I want to have my own team? Do I want to just hire the, you know, hire people out to solve those problems? And you can start building that team around you, whether it's employees of yourself or other people that you can bring in like attorneys or, you know, business people, CFO, you know, accountant, whatever it is that you might need. 
Absolutely. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit here because you were talking about everybody being on their phones all the time and being reactionary, which is obviously super common in this business because, you know, problems happen. Um, What advice would you have to somebody to help them detach from their mobile device, their Apple watches and their constant notifications, the constant dopamine hits? What advice would you have for for that? Well, I'm wearing the uh, Garmin watch. Um, I have zero notifications on it. I don't have my email connected. I don't have my text message connected. I don't have my phone connected. Nothing is connected and no notifications go through. So it's really hard to get a dopamine hit from something that isn't there. Right? Uh, Step number two. Um, This is my cell phone. I don't have a single notification on my screen. There's no notification and there is literally only one notification that I allow on my phone, which is my game cameras from my, from my property. Cause I want to know in real time, if there's a sweet buck back on my creek, other than that, email, text message, social, anything, phone calls, my phone is always on silent. I literally don't, there's nothing. I am not going to be Pavlov's dog to my phone. Now, some people might say, well, I don't own my own company, Nathan, so I can't do that. Okay, no problem. Well, you could have your phone on or you could have it on vibrate or whatever. There's all those different things. You could turn off social notifications. You could uh, go through any of these things that start to create that. So that's like the, that's like super simple. Step two is when you go into a conversation or you go into that, those moments together, you can say, okay, well, I'm going to be conscious of not being on my phone. And by the way, I am so guilty in this too. So I want to be very clear. I'm not perfect, but I work on this a lot and I think about it a lot. So sometimes I'll literally just leave my car, my phone in the car. Like I I don't even have it with me. If I'm going to go to dinner, I'm doing that. Or, you know, as opposed to putting it on the table, like right side up so you can see everybody calling you, flip the sucker over or put it in your pocket. So you have to even go another step to get through it. And then if you want to be really obnoxious with your friends around you, right, you could also say, okay, Tim, if you see me pick up my phone, I want you to ask me what I'm doing. Is it like this rote, dumb motion that I'm like looking at it and opening something? Or did I actually need to do something with it? Because then you can have somebody who actually holds accountability with you. And so in, the more purposeful we get in every area of our life, it might, it probably sounds crazy, right? But why did I just pick up my phone? Like, why did I just spend three hours on Facebook or w- whatever crazy number, right? Uh, so if we're a little more conscious about these things, we can actually start to make a, t- a change. Absolutely. I love what you're saying about on the table. Like when we go to family dinners, the rule is, Phones on the table, face down, don't look at them. I have a very strong goal. I'm not there yet, but eventually I want to have it so that I could turn my phone off at five o'clock and just not worry about it until the next morning. Um, Backtrack a little bit again, but I have this written down. Like you said, you need to remove your ego when you're building a business. And I think this is such a powerful statement that a lot of people miss on, especially like because of the Grant Cardone ideas and things like that, because again, you're building a life that's not fulfilling. You're building a life that is driven by capital. So Mm -hmm. how would you recommend somebody 
remove their ego or somebody that is ego driven, like, what would you say to them to perhaps walk the horse to water and try to show them the, the, <laughs> the reason in the world? Well, that's a tough one, right? So our biggest challenge is ourselves in those situations. And, you know, we aren't perfect. Nobody's perfect uh, with this. Well, very few people, right? I'm sure there's maybe some, you know, Buddhist monks somewhere in the mountains that might be perfect. I don't know. Uh, but I think it starts with an awareness of ourselves, right? And it, and it starts to come with us wanting to actually be better people. And so then we have to take, what, what does that actually mean, right? And so, you know, for instance, like in meditation, uh, I've spent, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, a thousand hours or so in meditation. And because the app tracks it, to be clear, uh, otherwise I, it's not like I've been counting it, <clears throat> but, um, I, I recognize like when I spend a lot of time in meditation, how much easier it is to stay in that space and not like squirrel moment. But when I'm coming back to it new, it's so hard for me to stay because I'm thinking about all these things or I start talking to myself or whatever. And we have to come back and say, okay, well, what, where's our self in this conversation? And there's a lot of ways that ego can show up. It's, it might be in a power trip of, of, you know, you're in charge or superior person, right? So you, you know, you don't listen to someone else because they're not, you know, they don't technically have to do that. Or maybe somebody else has another idea and you automatically insert yourself. And so we have to think about, okay, well, what are ways that we can challenge ourselves? We can have coaches, mentors, and people we trust that can call us out right on our BS. We can also utilize, uh, you know, books, uh, and, and other education and, and read books like, you know, extreme ownership and dichotomy of leadership, Jocko's books. Um, he did such a beautiful job of, of, you know, the examining, well, why do I need to make this call? Like, why do I need to insert myself as the person? Why do I need to be the one that gets all the credit? And we get to look at that and say, you know, uh, Ryan Holiday, ego is an enemy, right? That, that the concepts of what, where we put ourselves in, in our feelings then also in the way, which is by, by the way, directly disproportionately to the negative of living that extraordinary life and building that thing that you want, right? So every time that ego shows up, it's not helping you. <laughs> it's not helping you in that moment. Now, do we want to have pride and we ha we want to have some strength and and you could, we could call it ego to say like I'm going to figure this out? Sure. And I think that's totally reasonable. Because we need to have self-confidence to go about building something, but that's where the dichotomy lies. We don't have to have all the answers. Uh and so I think there's there's a really special place for people to be able to come to themselves and say okay, Nathan, you're not perfect here or something bad happened, right? Or some conversation showed up, debrief it and then do something even crazier and be like, uh, boop, 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 boop. Hey, Tim, uh, you got a second to, to jam on this. You know, our conversation earlier is just, I keep thinking about it and, uh, I'd love to jump on a call real quick and talk about it. Uh, ring, 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 ring. Hey, Tim, uh, I gotta be honest with you. I totally blew it on our last conversation and I'm sorry. I let my ego get in the way. Uh, 
you're more important to me than my stupid ego or my stupid idea or the color you picked out for that backsplash, which I thought was totally stupid. And I didn't know why you did it. And I got upset instead of asking you why, you know, like there's all these moments that we get to create whatever we want. And the, the more awareness we have of ourselves, the easier it is to stay out of that ego. Absolutely. And that, that kind of goes down to the extreme ownership mentality there at the tail end, which you were just talking about. It's like, hey, when you make a mistake, just own up to it and just face it, right? Don't run away from your problems. It's going to lead to more problems down the line or it's going to grow and enhance. Um, we're going to pivot a little bit because I know you're big on, on leadership in general and decision making in the times of adversity. So I would love to or get into that topic with you. Sure. Uh, anything specific that you're thinking about or? Yeah. So let's say, um, yeah, decision-making in the time of adversity. So like, let's say we're in a very stressful situation. Like what kind of steps would you take in order to make good decisions? Well, I love, again, I, for whatever reason, keep going back to, to Jocko, but, um, and I can't remember what the OODA loop stands for at the moment, but there were, it was originally, I think, for, for uh, pilots, but I, I might have that wrong too. So forgive me for anyone listening if I screwed that up. But basically, we can look around, understand the problem, make a decision, right? And, and I think a lot of times we overcomplicate these things, and some things are much more important, right? But if a guy who's literally a Navy SEAL in the middle of some of the craziest battles in the world has that same philosophy, we can apply that same philosophy too. And instead of overcomplicating and, and sometimes, well, the other question is like, what level, how quickly do I need to make this choice? Like, do I have to literally make it this second? And, or do I have a minute to ponder and say, you know, I remember distinctly in Colin Powell's uh, biography or autobiography, he talked about, you know, some decisions he would literally be like, you know what, I'm going to sleep on it. I'm going to sleep on it. So, you know, if you're literally in a firefight, you're not going to sleep on the decision to, you know, cover and move or, or move your guys out. But if you have a really big decision, a really big financial decision, a, a incredible business opportunity, most likely you can sleep on it. Right. And, and we can make the choice and then we can run it back through that filter, by the way, of that vision. Right. So is this creating, is this in the life that I want? Is this fit in the business roles, responsibilities I want? Does it fit in the time that I want? And now we don't have to just come at something from this emotional feeling of like, gosh, I want to do it. Right. I, I'm so excited. Now I can actually have a plan to look at what that might be and how, like, what do I actually want to create with that and make a choice. Absolutely. Thank you for that. I'm going to take a strong pivot here because you have such a, such a varied background. Um, I'd love to open this up for a story here because everybody loves stories. Um, would you be comfortable sharing like what has been your craziest real estate transaction or experience that you've had so far? Sure. Um, I'll have to think about that. Um, well, I've had, I've had a few crazy ones, but um, this one showed up for me recently over the last uh, couple of weeks, just like thinking back through over my my career of real estate and, and doing deals. And there's two that are kind of juxtaposed around that same time. One, uh, they were each with joint venture partners. And uh, it was before I'd really like 
built a pretty large business. So I was mainly doing most of the stuff myself. So kind of in this, in the, in the concept of, you know, having your own business, but all those people that are on your team are a contractor that's, you know, somebody else, they're on their own team, you know, title company, attorney, so forth. And so I had, I had two deals that didn't go very well, both around the same time, unfortunately. But I distinctly remember because one of them had great communication with the partner and we had, you know, we could have open dialogue with no ego in the way about what was happening, which was like, we had an issue with the contractor. This is the problem. This is what I think we should do. This is what I think, you know, timeline to sell, et cetera. That partner was like, great. Thank you for solving it. Let's do it. And unfortunately that deal lost money. And I told him, I was like, don't worry. We already had an agreement. I'm going to, you know, pay for half, whatever we lose. And within, you know, a few weeks later, I sent him a wire and it was done. And I've still done literally millions and millions of dollars with this person. The other partner, which I'll use that term loosely, was, you know, going behind my back, talking to, like, bringing in other contractors, bringing in other attorneys, bringing in other agents, uh, calling other contractors. And because things weren't going that way, they, they were going sideways uh, on this job. It had taken longer than we wanted. Uh, we had an issue with the contractor, which certainly a portion, uh, was my fault. Um, but we could have worked together in a, in a totally different way. And I remember having my family at Disney world and being on the phone with my attorney and stressed out. So this is the opposite of creating the life you want, right? So I'm stressed out, not enjoying the time with my family. They're trying to eat and they're like, where's dad? Like, where are you at? Why are you? And, and I remember distinctly like, we're going to get, we're going to end up in a lawsuit. Like they're going to come after you. Like, this is what's going to happen. So we might as well file the lawsuit. So yada, yada, yada. And so we literally had a deal that we bought that should have made a ton of money. It doesn't go very well. Partner goes crazy. Deals go sideways. End up in a 12 month lawsuit and lose like 50 grand, mostly because of legal fees, not because of the deal itself. And so I have other, you know, crazy deals or whatever that, but that one felt so in line with what we're talking about. It's like, what do you want to create? Who do you want to do it with? And then how can you have these open, open conversations where you don't let your ego get in the way and just say, these are the facts, this sucks, but we can move on from here and we can, we can work together to have the best possible outcome versus like all of a sudden taking our, letting our own ego get in our own way. And you know, it, it never goes well. Absolutely. And obviously that's an extremely stressful situation. Um, and you mentioned you were stressed out, but like, yeah. how did you keep a level head when all of that was going on? Well, you know, I think I actually do a pretty good job of not stressing out. Um, now I will say I was very stressed in that situation in particular, but you know, that comes back to that, whether it's martial arts training or working out CrossFit gym or being a marathon or whatever, like you got to have things that challenge you. And if those situations are the only thing in your life that you're allowing to be challenging to you, it's going to be really hard. Right. And, and I, I train martial arts and one of the things I think about all the time, and I, I did a cage fight, uh, you know, in front of the thousands of my closest friends and, you know, there's nothing like getting in a cage fight to get everybody riled up about what, you, <laughs> but, um, you know, there's, 
I call it the uncomfortable bucket, right? Like how, how far into that bucket are you willing to be uncomfortable? And, you know, I, I trained jujitsu today. You know, I had, I had a guy who was literally former guy in the UFC, Jason Witt, a good buddy of mine. Uh, he's an amazing dude, but he's a nightmare on the mats. Right. And I got him like covering my mouth and like sweating on my face and I'm, I'm getting my butt kicked by this guy. Right. But I could literally like tap and, and quit, or I could do every single thing I can do not to get tapped. Right. And so I work on it, right. I work on that every single day. And I think, when we put ourselves in, in the situation to say, you know what, this guy might be a jerk, but I don't have to be. And we, we practice in those situations that are less, you know, difficult, certainly, you know, jujitsu gym or running a mile or whatever it is. Uh, and then that way, when we get in those moments, we can, we can have a less reactionary, uh, you know, responses and we can have more thoughtful responses, which also, by the way, feels so much better, right? Because then we're not going home like, Oh man, I'm, you know, some things we're just going to get upset because they, they're frustrating and that's okay. But you get to put a half-life on that time and say, I'm going to take that state change. I'm going to put that Jocko or that, you know, David Goggins back on state change back in the right space, get back right on the right foot. Absolutely. I love the concept of the um, uncomfortable bucket. I haven't heard that one before. Um, I'm going to have to uh, like dig deeper into that concept because I'm, I'm digging that a lot. Um, so we're talking about building a life that you want to live, right? So, I mean, you, you've kind of touched upon some things that you do for leisure a little bit. You do the MMA. Um, you're also a big fan of hunting. I would love to know what you're doing because you've built a life that you want, number one. And number two, more importantly, like what benefits are you getting from the activities that you're doing? Sure. So you mean like, what am I doing in business or what am I doing in like, well, for the, like leisure, you know, like yeah, for yeah, fun. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Sure. So I have mentioned, you know, training jujitsu. Um, I don't do as much stand up stuff anymore, but I, when I'm not traveling, uh, I, I definitely get into the gym like I, like I did today. Um, I also picked up golf a year and a half ago or so. So I am uh, now an obsessed golfer and, uh, really love playing and, and, and true, style the day that I decided to make, you know, the commitment to play, I asked around where the best place to get the best clubs. So I had clubs fitted that next week and I hired a coach, you know, so I didn't want to mess around with what I was doing. I also played music professionally for uh, a couple decades. And so I played, you know, piano, bass and guitar. And since I, I was, well, I started playing piano when I was in fifth grade. And so I still love to play. I still have multiple instruments. I play at church, play for myself, play, you know, for the kids and whatever. So I really enjoy playing. And then uh, I actually just wrote a book too. So it was something that I've been passionate about where, you know, books have made such an impact for me. And so I really wanted to say like, how could I help make an impact for somebody else? Uh, and so had a had the desire and and put the pieces together to do that and have a actual publisher publisher so Morgan James uh, publishing so it's pretty cool to be able to put all those things together. Absolutely, I love that you brought the book up because that was exactly where I was going next. Um, so you have the book out now, the No Quitters Guide to Investing in Real Estate, and and during the pre-show you you read a a glowing recommendation from Brandon Turner. And then unfortunately, I'm going to have to summarize it, but I mean, essentially said there are hundreds of books on real estate investing. Why read them all when you could just read this book? Now, that is obviously 
high praise from a very high individual. First off, how do you feel emotionally when you read that? Oh man, it takes my breath away. You know, when I first read that forward, it was, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, Brandon's been a, a good friend of mine for a while and, um, he's a, he's a, he's a great human and a good man and a, and a you know, businessman. And so an author, obviously he's written a, a bunch of amazing books and, and, and books that have really touched people's lives. So yeah, it was, it took my breath away in the best way possible. And, you know, to receive sometimes is hard to receive, you know, feedback like that, that you're like, Hey, Nathan, you might, maybe you actually did a good job on this book <laughs> or maybe, uh, so yeah, it was, it was a special moment. So now that the book's out, like how, how has the promotional journey been? And, and just kind of give me an idea what that looks like. I've never written a book. I mean, I'm sure you have to do a lot of work once it's out there to get people to read it. I'm sure you did a bunch of touring and things of that nature. Kind of give me an idea what it's like to release a book. Yep. So, uh, I spent better, you know, six to eight months writing it. So I hired a coach as well for, for that. So I had a, a coach that worked through that whole process. Um, unlike a lot of people out there like doing the ghostwriting thing or entering their book concept into chat GTP or whatever it is. Um, I actually wrote my book <laughs> with my own hands on the computer. We're, we're recording this, this podcast on. And, um, so I did like 30 some thousand words of pre-work and then uh, 66,000, or I'm sorry, 72,000 words. And I wrote the book in 19 days, which is crazy. Yes. So all those years of being a piano player does help on the uh, keyboard. Now, like two, three, four weeks later, I went back to the book and started reading it and I hated it. I was upset about it. I was very frustrated with how it came out. And so I talked to my coach and I actually started rewriting the entire book. And so I started with chapter one blank page, like whole deal on the, on the, uh, it's crazy thinking about it now, uh, but, um, talk about a no quitter. Uh, so I literally ended up rewriting the entire book a whole nother time. So it was a whole second time through the book. And, um, so once I had the book written, then we had submitted it to you know different publishers because I really wanted not to be like some top of funnel, you know, kind of not a great book. Like I want to deliver the very best book I could possibly deliver. And so, um, got a, got a publisher, Morgan James. And so they, you know, they get like 3000 submissions a year. They accept a hundred books. So I thought that was awesome. And so they have distribution. So they helped, you know, work through the process of getting the cover print, the interior layout, all the designs and stuff of that book. And then from there, uh, we started doing all the rest of that stuff. So I've been on, on a bunch of podcasts and, um, you know, sharing to my, you know, social network, friend, social network. Uh, I did a book launch here actually just this last week. So the book published on January 10th and, uh, literally had my family in Spain, took them, took them to Spain. So we flew home the day that the book published, which is not really intentional, but it just worked out that way. And uh, three days later, had a, a live event. We had 150 people show up in Kansas City, which was really cool, and had a couple of my dear friends come. And so we put on like a little mini mastermind. So uh, that's kind of where we're at. I'm, I have future, you know, podcasts, and I have future speaking opportunities and those sort of things. And then just people, it's been really cool too. Just people reading the book, sharing the book sharing what, what impacted for them and, 
and, and we're up to 30, 30 uh, reviews now on Amazon too, which is pretty cool in just a, just a, a week or so. Um, so that's been a really cool uh, response there as well. Absolutely, man. It sounds like a tremendous journey. So I'm curious about the title. So like, why did you title it The No Quitter's Guide to Investing in Real Estate? You know, I, I wanted to deliver home the fact that, you know, if you want something bad enough, you get to do whatever it takes to create that. And it's not like the one and done, I, I'm going to always be successful. Or, you know, you set a goal that you're going to get your first house in 90 days and it takes you 180 days. Like, just because it took a little longer to get that house or to create that experience or to quit your nine to five job or, you know, whatever that thing is, it takes that perseverance and and the determination and the clarity of the focus of what you want. And so that's where I wanted in, in the, the end of the title, you know, no quitters guide to crushing real estate, investing and building an extraordinary life. So it's not just about not quitting. It's not just about building a real estate business, but it's about how you can utilize not quitting to build a real estate business that creates a really amazing life that you are really excited about every day. Absolutely. So I'm curious, it's like, why do you think that book is the one book that Brandon Turner would recommend? <laughs> well, I think in a lot of the feedback I've received so far has been, you know, so many of these books are like a real estate 101 book, or, you know, it's, it's kind of a higher level, get you fired up, you know, kind of like a Robert Kiyosaki's uh, book, which of course that was what got me into real estate, got many people into real estate. But this one takes you through the whole process of like, if only I could quit my job, if I could only do something to what I believe real estate is, what I believe real estate is not, Real Estate 101. And then how do we start creating concepts for business and talking through like a lot of the things that we talked about earlier and into what does it actually look and feel like to be successful? Because I think a lot of times too, we're afraid of what that looks like. We're afraid of making a little more money. We're afraid of, gosh, what if I actually can create that? What am I going to do with all my time? You know, I, I've heard that. I'm like, believe me, you can find stuff to do. You just have to work on it, right? And so... Uh, this was all about actually taking that end in mind first mentality and working your way through. And, and so I think I, I distilled that in a really, uh, in a really cool way, in a really unusual way in this book. Absolutely. So we're on the freedom chasers podcast, man. So I'd love to ask this question. So what does freedom mean to Nathan Brooks? Well, freedom to me means I can without uh need for uh, i have the financial resources i have the time resources i have the the people uh team resources to do create build experience whatever i want and i'm not and it doesn't mean like you know i think some people can take it out of context like well freedom to you know obviously i don't mean doing anything bad you know i don't mean doing anything that um you know you could take freedom and, and ignore your family and ignore your kids, you know, ignore your business, whatever. So that, that's not freedom. The freedom is like, it's both a, a, a balance in our experience as well as, as um, I think there's a joy component to that, like being fulfilled and in, in freedom because freedom without joy, freedom without love is not freedom because we still are, we have those desires 
for for love and connection and, and experiences and people that that matter. Absolutely, Nathan. If you had a billion dollars and a hundred lifetimes of cash flow, what would you do with your time? Billion dollars and a hundred lifetimes. Well, you know, I still love doing Airbnbs. I probably I would just have a little larger budget. So I'd have a number more Airbnb houses that are super cool and cool locations. I would uh, have a very large philanthropy arm, uh, which I still will have, but I will have, it would be way more well-funded and for arts and education, especially for kids. And we'd be, you know, providing, well, let me be, let me rephrase. We will be providing, but a uh, billion dollars, uh, you know, my goal has been to, way, to be able to give away a million dollars a year in per- perpetuity and have it um, built so it can be a generational thing. But if I had a billion dollars and I'd have a much larger team and we would basically have a business side, a family office, and we'd have a, a philanthropy side, you know, family office. And um, we would we would do lots of cool stuff and we would just throw that much more out. And by the way, I'm going to give a little shout out to my buddy, Eric Upchurch, uh, who um, is with, uh, he, he's a multifamily investor, but also he, he was former special forces soldier. And uh, he, his goal is to uh, end homelessness. And we were talking about, it's about 250 million bucks to, to end that. And, you know, we were talking like, Hey, if you had 250 people write a million dollar check, like, in that point, you know, maybe I could write a, a little larger one than that, right? And be be one of the people that help, you know, really legitimately end, end, uh, end that. So that'd be pretty sweet. Absolutely. Man, I love the creativity we get when we ask that question. So thank you for, for taking me down that road. Um, Nathan, um, we just hit the new year. Like, what are your goals for 2023? What's your vision for the next 12 months or so? Absolutely. So uh, you can't tell, but I'm in my home office. In, at my house and there's, I have 12 acres. So I have all these beautiful trees that are out, all these big picture windows uh, on the other side of this light and this computer. And there's a four by eight whiteboard right here. So I can, I can actually see, and I write and I look at, and I think about all that stuff. So if people are wondering like, well, where do you come up with all this stuff? Well, it's literally 10 feet that way. Um, but, uh, and I won't read everything in specific numbers, but um, I have, um, I'm going to do some coaching uh, for for a good friend of mine, Gary Harper, and I'm really excited about that. So we're going to help impact some businesses and people to help create that extraordinary life and and business. Uh, I'm going to add uh, 10 or 15 million in in, uh, multifamily assets, uh, build to rent stuff. I'm going to add another probably, what do I have on there? 3 million in Airbnb units. Um, I'm going to... uh, Let's see what else I got in here. And and uh, we're going to build out some uh, no-quitter curriculum to help people work through uh, not just the book, but like, hey, you read the book, you feel passionate about it. How can we actually, um, not just for some something to make money from, be honest with you, I didn't ever think about even creating a course or anything with it. But everybody who read the book was like, what are we going to do? <laughs> what are you doing after this? Like, I, I want more. So um, that was a cool, cool response. And so we have a mini course that's already recorded. And then we'll have a full course to go through every chapter. And uh, so I'm really excited about that. Really excited to help impact uh, even more people with that book. Thank you for sharing your goals, man. Um, I know you're not going to quit. So I'm confident that you're going to get them. Um, and actually... I'll- I'd love to share a couple more. I've just realized. So I, in the, the beginning, I mentioned business, family, and personal. 
Uh, so family-wise, uh, I have a couple things that are closing up and then we're going to go spend a month or, or longer in the mountains or maybe even in Europe. We haven't decided the location, but we can, we can do that. We're going to do that, uh, May or June this, this year. And, uh, from the personal standpoint, I really want to hunt in Sonora, Mexico. And so I have been loving on this outfitter. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that and doing more like backcountry hunting as well. So I've been looking for another one that I'm really fired up about going on. That's awesome, man. Yep. That's amazing stuff. Um, Nathan Brooks, like anybody listening right now, if they wanted to get in touch with you, like what would be the best way for them to do so? Sure. There's a couple things. Uh, and since I have this sitting here, I'm so pumped. Uh, I have the book. It's amazing to actually like literally hold on to it and be like, okay, this, this thing is actually, uh, you know, in the real. So that's wild. Um, so if you want to check out the book, you can go to noquittersguide.com has a link. Um, you can get it anywhere books are sold, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Amazon, whatever. Uh, you can also get it on Kindle on Amazon as well. So it's, it's on there. Um, and then if they want to connect uh, on social, I have just recently gotten all of them connected to the same. So Facebook, you know, uh, t uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, it's uh, at Nathan Brooks, REI. So uh, you can connect with me that way as well. Well, there you have it, guys. Um, you know how to reach out to him. Nathan Brooks, man, thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. Freedom without joy and freedom without love is not truly freedom. So start with the end in mind, create a vision for your life, and then craft that vision. And don't quit when you're trying. So do so within the next seven days. Tell somebody you know that will help hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one.